guys. Hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I also move furniture. Uh, welcome to E3. Uh, this is, boy, the 10th week of this series that we're doing called 12 Words. Um, super excited to share with you guys some insights into um, uh, living a different way, all right, uh, just to be honest. Before we get there, a couple of things that uh, are going on. I uh, just want to let you know. Um, you may have heard that, that Baptism Sunday, which we call the best day ever, is, uh, was next Sunday. We've actually moved it back a couple weeks for a variety of different reasons. Um, the good news is, if you're a person who uh, wants to explore what it means to be baptized, what it means to kind of make that public statement of, of your following Jesus, uh, you still have time to do that. So it's going to be on the 19th. We've got a couple folks signed up already, uh, but we would like to see, you know, more. So if, if that's something that's on your, your mind, your heart, you're like, you know what, I, I am, I'm down with this Jesus project. I'm signing on to what he's doing in the world, what he's doing in my life, but I've never been baptized or, or you know, or I was baptized as an infant. What's that mean? Look, reach out to us. We'd be, we would love to walk through that with you. It's a powerful uh time in a person's life when they choose to sort of make the public statement of where their life is headed and who they're following. So November 19th. Uh, the other thing that I just want to let you know, um, this is just kind of like a little bit of honesty, like um, some Sundays, you know, we walk in here and uh, it's just an odd Sunday. Um, and we have a number of folks who are really struggling physically. Um, just a lot of people feeling sick today on, on the platform. I'm one of them, not feeling real great today. We've had a projector go down. Um, it's a, just an odd Sunday. So I'm just going to ask you guys, if, if you're a, a praying person, to kind of just be in prayer for, for us. Um, you know, it's, we still have a little ways to go, and some of us just aren't feeling um, really 100% today. So just do that for me. That'd be great. Um, so we have been walking through these 12 concepts, 12 activities uh, that, that really lead to something called the John 10.10 life. In, in John 10.10, Jesus says, I came, Jesus came, so that we can have this life that he describes as full and rich and abundant and satisfying. And, and what we've been doing as a community is walking through different concepts and activities that lead to that 10.10 life, that lead to a rich and satisfying life. And we're gonna get to the word today, which is examine, which has to do with self-examination, examining yourself both in the moment and on a daily basis. And when we do that, that's going to mark a, a really important turn for us in these 12 words. And I haven't really made a big deal out of this, but there have been a couple, a couple turns already. You can group these 12 into, uh, into a few groups. And let me show you what I'm talking about here. So we started off uh, the series with the words powerless, hope, and trust. And these three words really get at the idea of, of uh, getting to an interior state of mind, of, of declaring yourself powerless, you know, to understand that you're not God. And then right after that, or, or right alongside that, saying, you know, I'm not God, but there is a God out there who wants something better for me. And if I, if I follow him, he'll lead me to this rich and satisfying life. That's hope. And then the idea of, of making this decision inside that says, I'm going to trust him, even when I don't understand it all. 
I'm going to trust him to lead me, even sometimes through the clouds and through the darkness. I'm just going to trust him. That's the, sort of the way you could group the first three words, sort of interior conclusions that we need to come to. The second group uh, is actually four. The, the next four weeks, self-honesty, confession, release, and dependence. And what those four words really got to is us coming to grips with the ugly, not-so-pretty things that lurk inside of us. Naming the things that we carry around in our lives, in our souls, in our hearts that maybe aren't so pretty. Not the best of us. And we, we do that thing. We go through this rigorous self-appraisal. We speak those words to somebody else because it's good to share your junk with other people just to kind of get your pride in the right place. And then to ask God, essentially, look, take these things from me, Lord. They're crutches, but I'm willing to release them. And then the last couple of weeks, we've, we've looked at the idea of, um, of, of getting right with other people. And so the last two weeks have really been about asking people for forgiveness and living reconciled lives with people. So, you know, and they flow out of each other, right? So the, the second group, we come to terms with all the... the rough stuff inside of us, and then we look at how all the rough stuff inside of us have affected our friends and our family. And so we go, oh man, that stuff that I carry around isn't just my stuff, it actually affects the people I do life with. So I really should say, I'm sorry, and kind of how can I make this better? I, I, I kind of rubbed up against you and, and, and I hurt you in some way. And um, that's getting right with other people. And, and we talked about how it's not enough if you really want to live a 10-10 life to just kind of say that I'm going to get this thing right with God and never address kind of the other people in my life because we're meant to be conduits of that love and grace, right? And when it comes in, it doesn't flow out. You know, we talked about the Dead Sea. And, and when stuff just comes in and doesn't have an outflow, actually what, what happens is that you end up kind of dead inside. That has to go out. Well, this week, we're going to turn to uh, the idea of how this 1010 life, how these activities look on a day-to-day, -day, even moment-to-moment -moment basis. Those first three groups are, are in a way, are like, are like radical surgery. We're like, you know what? Something is not right in my life, and I need to just go through all of these, all of these movements and concepts to kind of do a major overhaul in my life. But now, this week and next week and beyond, we're going to talk about, okay, we've had, the, we've had the major surgery. Now, how do we do this day in, day out? Which is really when things get exciting. And also when things are really, really necessary. And, and by talking about the necessary part, I want to, I wanna, uh, something came to my mind late last night. So for those of you guys uh, who are on the younger spectrum of things, uh, before MMA, there was this thing that we like to call boxing. <laughs> Anybody remember like when boxing was king, like the 70s, the 80s, even some of the 90s? I mean, I remember watching Ali fight, Frazier, I remember those things. Well, um, uh, in the 80s and 90s, a man named Mike Tyson kind of strode onto the scene into the ring. And Mike Tyson was a bad, bad man. Uh, I had never seen anything like him. You know, he just walked into the ring, black trunks, black shoes, 
no socks, and he proceeded to annihilate people, all right? And so I want to just show you two, uh, two of his famous knockouts, right? And then I'll talk about why. So just watch this. These are great. Watch this. Good night. Watch this guy. What, see what it says on this guy's waistband when he stands up? Waistband of his trunks. The truth, the truth is you are out of the fight. You're done. He's like, I'm not done. Tyson's like, you're done. There's one more. This next one is, is really good. He just he can't get off two punches. I mean, that is a mark of a shot fighter when you can't get off punches. But this guy's like, no, I'm not done yet. I can do this. Watch me. I really can't. Nope. Or not. And he's like, no, I'm really okay. I, I really want to keep going. I, oh! He's just done. Mike Tyson has what uh, Tyson is credited, and, and he's unpacked this before. He has one of the best quotes um, about, his, about fighting him, and that really spoke to me. And people, at one time, people were saying, like, well, how can people make a plan to fight you, you know, at his peak? And he said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And he said, once you get punched in the face, whatever plan you had, not working anymore. I imagine both of those guys had a plan to fight Mike Tyson until they got actually hit. And so the reason I, I throw that out there is because that's a lot what the spiritual life is like. Um, we can all have plans until life kind of punches us in the face. Right? How many, let, me, let me put it this way. How many of you guys have ever gone to like a church gathering and you've been like super inspired and you're saying, like, oh yeah, man, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. And you're like, I'm gonna be awesome after this church gathering and I'm gonna go to lunch and I'm gonna tip my server. Like I'm gonna be so generous. It's gonna be awesome. And then before you leave the parking lot, like somebody is either driven too fast or they've cut you off in traffic and you're just like, you've everything that you planned just went down down the toilet. Or how, how often have you like maybe watched a movie, it's a romantic comedy or something, and you're like, you know what, I need to treat my spouse better, I need to treat my significant other better. I'm just gonna be so good after this, I'm gonna do whatever they ask. And then they ask. And you're like, but the, like the, I'm watching this. And everything that you planned just went right down. And these are, these are not even legit punches in the face. This is just life. Everybody can have a plan until life actually starts happening. And then all your plans and all your intentions just go. So whatever we talk about with these words and whatever we sing and whatever we experience, we need to do better than just have a plan. We need to know what to do when life starts happening. So how do we take this stuff and take it into the moments of our life, the daily stuff that happens to it. Some of them feel like punches. Some of them just feel like life. But we don't often get it right. We have these intentions. They don't match up. So um, 
Here's the way I would set up today's uh, sort of topic and what we're going to talk about today, that the, the, the life that we're trying to get, the journey to a rich and full, a John 10, 10 life is marked by practicing, keyword, practicing, practicing, rigorous, regular, honest self-examination, practicing rigorous, regular, honest self-examination. Practicing doesn't mean perfection. Practice just means, look, I'm going to make this a part of my life. So for my central text, like uh, I want to just kind of talk about this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, it's towards the back in the New Testament. Um, This is a guy named Paul writing to a church in a place called Ephesus. In chapter 4, verse 11, Paul writes this. Uh, Christ Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. This is basically he's saying he's given people to the church that do specific roles. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, these are roles in the church. He's given the church those people to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith so everything that we're supposed to do as pastors and all these other roles should be leading to unity and in the knowledge of, son, uh, of the Son of God, and then here's the word that I want to really talk about today, and become what? Mature. Become mature. Attaining to the full measure, or the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He goes on, Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, what? The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We're just going to stop there. So Paul mentions a couple times this idea of maturity. What we're supposed to be doing here is growing to maturity in Christ. And before we uh, go too far... I want to uh, examine, like, what is maturity? Because that's a key thing. What is maturity? You know, is Paul talking about, like, we're supposed to just grow up into this, this, you know, we get a little bit more gray hair, we get a little bit more aches and pains. That's maturity. Is that maturity that Paul's looking for? No, it's more than that. Is Paul saying, look, you know, when, when, you, get, when you become mature, you get you know, all the answers to the going deeper. You're like in your growth group. You're like, I know the answer to the going deeper questions, all of them. I, I got them right now. <laughs> is that what Paul's talking about in terms of maturity? Is, is Paul talking about knowing just all of the right things about God and about Jesus? Well, that's part of it, but, but there's more to that than than just knowing the right answers. And it's wrapped up in the word that Paul uses for maturity. It's a a powerful, explosive Greek word called teleos. Let me hear you say teleos. Congratulations, you know Greek. The, The word for maturity here is teleos, and Paul uses it multiple times. Look, you're supposed to become mature, teleos people. And teleos is like this critical word in the New Testament. What it means is much more than than age. Let me just give you a short list. 
of what it means. It means to be complete. You should become a complete person. You should become like a full person. You should become a mature person. Paul says everything we're supposed to do is supposed to lead to the situation where you lack nothing. Oof. You lack nothing as a believer, as a follower of Christ. Or a finished person, a fully baked Christian. Take you out of the oven, you're like done. Teleos people. Paul says, this is what the goal is. And he contrasts it with this idea of like, look, you're not gonna be an infant anymore. And I was trying to think, well, how can I kind of show this to people? And I was like, I need a baby. I don't have a baby. No, no shock there. But I do have, like my kids have babies. This is Julie. She belonged to, to, my, to my kids. She was a gift from my cousin, huh? Cindy. Oh, Julie was the American Girl doll, sorry. We had a long discussion about our, our kids' baby dolls last night. So, so you're not supposed to be an infant that gets blown all around. She's going this way, she's going that way. You're supposed to become a complete person that's more than just age and growing up. It's supposed to be some kind of sense of lacking nothing, some kind of sense of completeness, some kind of sense of like, look, if the storms come this way, if they come that way, Cindy just keeps going. She's steady, right? Let me, let me show you, kind of take you to the next level of, of what this means. Because uh, teleos is used in a very, very interesting way. If you were here a couple of years ago, we walked through the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5, 48, Jesus uses the word teleos to say something very, very compelling about God and therefore about us. Because in Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says, you are supposed to be complete teleos because that's the way God is complete and teleos. Now, that statement in and of itself looks pretty intimidating if you're any type of human being. I'm supposed to be perfect like God is perfect. But what Jesus has just gotten done in Matthew 5, 47, and just prior to that, he says, look, the actual context of this perfection, of this maturity, of this completeness is, he's just said, God uh, makes rain to fall on bad people and good people. And then he says, love your enemies. Therefore, be perfect, just as your father's perfect. So in the context of this, this perfection is not like I'm supposed to be like, like perfect like God. Uh, the context could be understood to say like, no, no, no. Teleos is perfect love for everyone. Radical, perfect love for everyone, including your enemies. And if you were here last week, we talked about how, you know, Jesus says in John 13, everyone's gonna know you're Christians by, you guys remember, by your love for one, of, for one another. So the idea that like we're called to this radical love, that's what it means to be teleos. That's what it means to be mature, to have love for each other. That's no strange thing to Jesus. Now, here's a thought that I just want to plant in your head. That to be mature and teleos and complete 
the way Paul wants us to be and the way Jesus is, I would suggest to you, is really wrapped up in doing things in the world with, at the right time, the right thing, with the right intention. I think it's what Jesus did in, in a sense. He did the right thing at the right time with the right intention. And that last little phrase, oh, that's, that's, the, that's the tough one, isn't it? Because a lot of us can do the right thing at the right time. Could you empty the dishwasher? Mm. We can get the right thing and we can get the right time. But, but the teleos, mature life, is those two things plus the right intention. A heart of compassion and service and love. Your boss comes up to your cube. Hey, I know you have a really, really busy day today, but I need you to set all that aside to do this thing for me. What do you say in that moment? Right thing, right time, right intention. Somebody comes up to you and says, you know what, um, I need to grab some time with you because there's something we need, to, we need to talk about. You know, if you're like me, as soon as somebody says, oh, we need to talk about something, uh, my thoughts and my anxiety and my fear just go, what does it mean to say, let's have that conversation, do the right thing at the right time with the right intention, right? That's what maturity means. How can we become those type of, of people. The biblical vision is that we can. That's what rich and satisfying lives lead to. Right thing, right time, right intention. And the only thing between where you're at right now and doing life this way is just one little thing called reality. Just one little thing. One little barrier to you being able to do the right thing at the right time with the right intention, and that is reality. Because what does life do? It hits you in the face, doesn't it? You can have the best plans. Oh, I will. I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to do the right thing at the right time with the right intent. Just you watch me, Jesus. You're going to be so proud of me. <laughs> and then sometimes before you even leave these doors, you get punched in the face with reality. That person that I really don't like but happens to come to E3, they are standing right next to the door and how do I say hi to them without... So how, how, how do we do it? Um, there's, we have to be able to deal with reality. See, reality is made up uh, for us of stimulus and response. Every living thing has a response reflex to stimuli, to life. And even though sometimes you guys like sit so still that we can't tell you're alive, you guys are the same way. Things come at you and you respond, do you not? That's what it means to be alive. You know, you encounter something. Uh, these are always the big ones. You know, a person cuts you off in traffic. That's a stem. You respond to that. You get asked at a very inconvenient time to do something you don't really want to do. You respond to that. Somebody confronts you about something, a behavior that they are uh, uncomfortable or unsatisfied with you, and you have a response to that. That's what it means to be alive, stimulus and response. 
But here's the deal. That's what it means to be alive. But do you know what? What it means to be human? What it means to be human is that you actually get to choose your response. What it means to be alive is that you have to deal with stimuli and responses. But what it means to be human is that you can actually choose your response. Now, what I just said to some of you sounds like gibberish. Because if you were anything like me for a long time and it's still an area of struggle in my life, I, I can't choose my response. When somebody says to me, Eric, we need to really talk about something. Can you set aside some time? My response is, here comes the elevated stress. Here comes the, 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 the cycle in my brain that is like, what do they want to talk to me about? What have I done wrong? What, what, what's going on? Anybody else have this? Where you don't feel like you have a choice in the response. Some stimulus comes at you and the train is on the tracks. And how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And the train is just going. And you're like, I don't know if I have that choice. Well, you do. You see, the first thing I want to tell you is that what's in that gap? What's in that gap of where you can choose? The first thing that's in that gap that you need to be aware of is uh, what's in that gap are the stories that we tell ourselves. And so before you even start to kind of realize your train is on the track, you need to realize that there's a story that you're telling yourself based on that stimuli. And again, because a lot of our punches in the face come from people, we say, oh, the story I'm telling myself is I'm always a, I'm a victim. So here we go again. Or the story is that person is, 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 uh, is, is evil and, and, and I don't like my boss or, or whatever and they're always, at, and so there goes the train. There's a story in the gap that we tell ourselves. But what if there's a different story? What if the story that's in the gap is not the one that you first go to? What if the story that's in the gap is one that, that God is there in the moment and that that train can be stopped? And, and what if that story there, and, and with a little bit of navigating, you can navigate that gap and the response, you can go, oh, wait a minute, my train has stopped. I can respond differently in this moment. What if? What if? So what I want to do is, I just want to walk through practically how you stop the train. And it's, and, it, and it's related to the idea of like to stop the train, you examine yourself in the moment, in the moment. Otherwise, you're just, whew, you're gone. You're gone. The adrenaline's kicking. Anybody know this? The adrenaline's up. It's fight or flight time. It is I can't think time. It's I can't argue time. It is, it is, it is oh, I shouldn't have said that time. Okay? So, uh, and just so you know, there's these cards on the front of the stage. And at the end of the gathering, um, part of the response today is just to take these cards that are going to outline this, what I'm about to give you guys. So in the moment, what you do first is you pause. You pause. And this can be at work. And you just maybe get yourself out of the situation. And this doesn't have to be dramatic. You can be like, you know, excuse me, I, just, I need to go to the restroom. Or just something. I get it out of the room. Just walk away from it for just a moment. And then once you do that, take a few deep breaths. 
Because guess what? God designed your brain to need oxygen and blood. And as soon as your adrenaline starts pumping, you know what your brain's not getting? Oxygen and blood. And this is not some kind of parlor trick or me saying this isn't, but when are you going to get to the spiritual stuff, Pastor Eric? God made your bodies, and he made your brain to need oxygen and blood. And when your adrenaline is going out, you know, just up and up and up, and you're trying to get clarity on a situation, the best thing you can do is take a few deep breaths and get the blood flowing back to your brain, get the oxygen back flowing back to your brain so you can calm down and think clearly. The next thing, acknowledge God's presence right there in that moment. God, you're here right now. Right now. You're not just waiting for me at, on Sunday at E3. You're here right now. Next thing. Ask God, God, give me some wisdom and some insight right now. And that can proceed along a few different ways. The first way it can proceed is to ask yourself, okay, what's really going on here? What's really going on here? And this is how ridiculous it looks in my life. <laughs> because what I realize is that, oh, you know what? That person that asked me for some time later on, you know what they asked me for? Time later on. I've already sort of played it out in my head that this is going to be a confrontation, it's going to be this. But you know what? What's really going on here? Oh, they just asked me for time. Maybe that's all that's going on right here, right now. Next thing. <laughs> if it's a confrontation, where might I be wrong? You see, when your adrenaline's up, you're not going to necessarily think about this. You're going to be defending. You're going to be ready. You take a breath, and you're like, wait a minute. What, God, show me where I might be. Oh, God. I really was supposed to have that report turned in yesterday, and I didn't. So maybe I'm wrong because I blew a deadline. Whatever it is. Serve the person that you're dealing with and apologize for it if you have to. Next thing. Where might they be wrong? Now, some of you guys are like, oh, yes, this is the part I've been waiting for. <laughs> where, where are they wrong? Well, but here's the deal. Where are they wrong? Guess what? You're, you're wrong, too, just maybe not this one time. So don't take it as an opportunity to say, well, I just kind of took some time in prayer, and God told me that you're wrong. <laughs> Because maybe tomorrow or maybe in the next five minutes, you're going to be the one that's wrong. So maybe you need forgiveness as much as they do. So maybe you just say, where might they be wrong? I forgive them, and I'm going to serve them. Because that's what Jesus does for us. The scriptures say that Jesus, Jesus himself says, I came to serve. And then the last thing. How can I serve God and others in this moment? It's not about you. Life's not about you, and it's not about feeding your ego. It's about saying, how can I be a conduit of God's love and grace? So how can I just serve God in this moment? And how can I serve my boss, my spouse, my friends, my teachers, my classmates? How can I serve other people in this moment? That's what it means to examine yourself in the moment. Take an honest look at yourself. Oh, man, I'm not perfect. I can get through this, though. There's another way to examine yourself. Um, 
I'm having a lot of trouble with, with some of my electronic devices in my life right now. Um, I don't know if you guys ever go through this where it seems like almost everything technological in your life just kind of starts struggling and having problems. And, and I don't know um, if you guys encountered this miraculous step-by-step instruction to cure probably 60% of the problems with your electronic devices. It's called turning it off and then turning it back on again. A more advanced version is sometimes you actually have to unplug it and then plug it back in. And this seems ridiculous to us, except for the fact that especially with computer devices, um, it's called resetting or purging the RAM. With a lot of like electronic, a lot of, a lot of computer stuff, as they work, as they just do the things that they do, we need them to do, they accumulate like just junk and data in their RAM, and to get it to function right again, you have to unplug it and just let that stuff get out, clear out. And you plug it back in, and this stuff's out. And you're like, oh, it works now. We're the same way. We're the same way. We accumulate stuff, junk, all day. Work, traffic, friends, Family, and by the end of the day, a lot of us are, are junked up and we need our RAM reset. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? It's the same for us. We need to unplug and give ourselves a chance to whoosh, purge. So here's what this looks like. And again, these are just written on these cards every night, daily. It takes about 15 minutes. Sit down, get quiet, and ask God, God, Can you give me wisdom and insight now? I need to look back at my day, God. Give me wisdom and insight and lead me through this. And then start with gratitude. God, before I do this, God, thank you for my life. Thank you for what you did today, God. Even some of the hard stuff. God, thank you that even though my job is hard, I have a job. God, thank you that even though you know, my car's not running right, I have a car, or you can just, or, or God, or maybe life is really tough for you, and you're like, you know, God, thank you for giving me life today. Thank you for my, my breath, my heart. Next thing. Review your day in detail. Cycle through it hour by hour. Where did you have a short temper? Where should you have said something and didn't say something? Where should you have remained silent and you opened your mouth again? Review it in detail. Next, own it and name it. That was my pride, God. Oh, that was my pride. Again. Again. Next thing. Ask for God's help and his presence with you tomorrow. God, help me be better tomorrow. Help me be better tomorrow. And this does so much to to, to purge your ram and to reset your life. Now, before we close, I want to be really clear here. Because some of us might take the approach of like, Eric, why do we need to keep like cycling back to our junk? Isn't it unhealthy 
to like sit there and go, oh, yeah, God, again, I'm private. Is this about beating myself up? Is this about shaming myself? And I would just say, uh, no. It's about being self-aware. You see, remember we talked about between the stimulus and response are those stories we tell ourselves? It becomes a very valuable tool when you know the story that you tell yourself is one of pride, that you always react with pride, or you always react with self-centeredness. And then you can start pushing back against those stories in the moment and every day. Uh, one of the writers of the New Testament, a guy named John, he wrote this to a church, uh, letter of 1 John. He wrote this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we just name our stuff, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All of it. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Eric's paraphrase, look, you're not the worst person that's ever lived. You're also not the best person that's ever lived. You got your junk just like everybody else does. Don't pretend to not have it, but also understand that it does not define you because God's forgiven it all. Another guy, Paul, he wrote these words in Romans 8. Oh, these are powerful. Paul says, therefore, there's now, how much condemnation? None. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you what? Free. Free from the law of sin and death. You know what's really great about this verse? You know what Paul has just written in chapter 7? Immediately preceding these words. Paul has written a passage that he says, you know what? There's a lot of stuff out there that I don't want to do. And you know what I do? I do it. And he also says, you know what? There's a lot of stuff out there um, that I should be doing. And you know what Paul says? I don't do it. And then right after he names his junk and he's honest with himself, he says to these people, he says, you know what? But there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There is self-awareness, but no condemnation. So, Ephesians 4. We're supposed to become mature people, teleos people, complete people. Right thing, right time, right intention. And where does it start? It starts with in the moment. When you feel that train leaving the station, here we go. Pause. I need a moment. And Invite God into that gap between the stimulus and the response. And at the end of the day, know that you've accumulated junk, whether you feel it or not, and go, you know what? It's time to purge my ram. Beep. And just look at yourself and your day and then ask for help for tomorrow. Amen? I'm gonna have you guys stand up. A band's going to come out, and, and we're just, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be sent out because, look, there's food trucks out there, and I'm not going to stand between a hungry church and the food trucks. But there's cards up here that, that just list out the process that we went through. And so you're invited to take those um, and just put them somewhere where they're valuable for you, okay? Awesome. Let's pray.